Temple Talks Malta. Episode 14, Temple Talks to Professor Jane Somerville. This podcast is produced and hosted by the Temple Magazine team. I'm Mark Mason. And I'm Susanna Hornby. Welcome back to another Temple Talks episode. Today, Mark and I have been very excited from the moment you said yes to this interview. We have Professor Jane Somerville. Hello, Jane. How are you? Well, I'm alive. I can't say well, but not ill. Mm. <laughs> Aren't I lucky? <laughs> you are. You are. Where are you? I'm in London. Right. In my flat, mm-hmm. which has everything, including a dog to walk, mm-hmm. a roof garden to sit in, and gorgeous weather. Super. Yes. So I'm one of the lucky ones and would mm-hmm. like to share... And I'm very pleased if I'm talking to my Maltese friends. Mm-hmm. I really miss Malta. I came away too quickly for for reasons that you'll know. Yes, of course. Um, of course you had to, because you're usually here at this time of the year. Oh, yes, and I would have been, and I had it all planned. But I was told to go home by a wise man. I thought he wasn't wise at the time, mm-hmm. and uh, but he was. And... Um, I got on the plane because I thought Air Malty might stop. Mm. Which was correct, they did. <laughs> yes. <laughs> anyway, yeah. off I went, and yeah. I think it was a good decision. Yeah. But I miss Malta. Yeah. Well, um, the weather here is just warming up, but you'll be pleased to know that there's a sharp wind, so you're not missing out too much on that front. <laughs> oh, well, that, it, the weather is what it is, yeah. and it changes very quickly. Um, it does. Um, Jane, can we, for the, for the sake of people who, who are not familiar with your works, um, can we just go back over, over time a little bit and talk about your incredible career in medicine, in cardiology specifically? We were just discussing, you know, you must have had to work exceptionally hard in your earlier years to be where you are today. What was it like in the, um, I presume it was the 60s? Oh, well, fun, much more fun in medicine than now. Mm. Uh, But that, yes, it was tough. Mm. They were completely against women. We were a phenomenon that was not wanted. Mm. There were 9% of women in my medical school, Guy's Hospital, Mm. which was a real centre of lion men Mm. who completely disdained you. Mm. But strangely, I didn't care about that because I'd been to school with boys Mm. and I knew how ridiculous they were. (laughs) So nothing they did surprised me. Mm. Their lies, they had to make gangs, they had to make trouble, and they were very rude. Mm. Not all of them. Boys are, I knew, quite weak in places, and we know those places not to be discussed, and I had great fun with uh, being in the 9% women Mm. bracket. The government ordered the training of women, so they had to take 9%, and it started in the 50s, Mm. and unless they took uh, that 9% as females, whatever they did with them, Mm. and Guy's was a very male hospital, uh, they didn't get their government grants. Mm. I recognize in retrospect, and I have to admit it, that I was protected And this, of course, is very important for a woman. Mm. You do need someone to keep the eye. And I had a very important protector. For whatever reason he protected me, and really in the main there's only one reason a man protects a woman of not his family, and we needn't go into that because nature is nature. Mm. But I was heavily protected, which meant that I wasn't targeted too much by Mm. the senior physicians and surgeons, Mm. which is what happened to some of my colleagues. 
I wasn't got at, but I played around. So I wasn't the brightest button in the box. I just had fun and did my work. Yes, yeah. mm. you have to work. And any woman who wants a career knows she has to work and make the effort one and a half times, even now and certainly in Malta. Mm. Bringing it more up to up to date, Jane, I mean, you've had an illustrious career, as I've just said. You work through several fields, but as you say, you are a, you are a doctor of cardiology, a professor of cardiology. I'm uh, trained as a cardiologist, adult yeah. cardiologist, mm. but my love was surgical cardiology, mm. and I wanted to be a cardiac surgeon, which is what drew me into the mm. specialty. Mm. And uh, I started as a surgeon, but I'm utterly clumsy, so that was no good. I also fancied a very attractive man. And could never go out because I was always on duty. So I thought, well, that's not, I'm not only clumsy, but I can't do do and get what I want. Mm. So I changed to do medicine. Yeah. And I did sort of surgical cardiology and was a surgical handmaiden working with the surgeons mm. as a cardiologist, which, of course, was terribly exciting through those years. Mm. Really exciting. Sure, yeah. And uh, then I got to where and took my exams and did all the things. Then I never was appointed. I never got on any short list to be appointed. So I thought I'd never be a consultant. Mm. But during this period, I married the man of my dreams. I had a secure marriage yeah. to a distinguished cardiologist. Mm -hmm. And that kept the boys at the front door not coming in, which was a help. Yeah. So I was <laughs> emotionally stable yeah. and got on with my work. But then I had four children. Mm -hmm. I'm not at all maternal, but I absolutely love my children. Mm -hmm. And somehow this consolidated to the outside world that we were a sort of golden couple and there was this rather wild woman. Um, Walter never helped me, but he was there like a rock yeah. older than me. Mm. So I think I owe him and my... Uh, real protector during my medical school years because mm. some of my female colleagues had some horrendous times running from senior surgeons and males on the prowl mm. i'd never had that and no. if anybody was on the prowl it was me but um well i, I mean think, you know <laughs> you are quite a force to be reckoned with and i'm sure you've been like that all your life <laughs> I have been because I went to a boys' school during the war. That's right, of course. Yeah, you had to be, you were and evacuated. You know, yeah. <laughs> if you've been isolated, taken a troop train, learnt to drink uh, builder's tea on Paddington Station and got on the, the, the school train and mm. had to get up for troops in the corridor, I think it concentrates the mind. You're not a little, <laughs> little you know, needed protection <laughs> child. No father in my life. That was a good thing. I suppose I had a father, but of course I had a father. He's on the birth certificate, but certainly not in my life. Wasn't strong, present. Mm. Strong mother. Wonderful mother. Well, now that you were married and in a wonderful relationship with, with your children and you're progressing with your career, at what point did you... Well, I think they might grumble they were a bit uh, neglected because they they would know that I it was medicine that turned me on and they used to grumble because we had all these fellows. from. I love to travel. Mm. I love people from all over the world mm. and managed to train a lot. Mm. And that was really 
is my heritage, and mm. I think that has allowed me to travel, see the world, and also get these sort of honor, honorary things from time to time. Yeah. I'm a lucky girl. I'm lucky. Well, you make your own luck, yeah. I say, but there you go. <laughs> a very uh, a very ebullient personality. You, you, you bang me on the head and I'll pop up somewhere else. <laughs> okay. I founded the grown-up congenital heart part of the European society. Right. That's okay. um, number 22, mm-hmm. uh, with the help of the president. I am not a political animal at all. Mm-hmm. I um, founded, um, oh, I helped found the specialty within the country, mm-hmm. although I was much obstructed by the pediatricians, mm-hmm. always. Uh, the pediatric cardiologists didn't really like me at all, but there are one or two like your own who have been very welcoming and good. Mm-hmm. I always say they're the more intelligent. Um, and then um, what else? No, no, I founded this specialty because I couldn't get on the list of any cardiology appointments right, in London. I yeah, I okay. think I never got on until finally created the need for an appointment in the National Heart Hospital, mm. which was much more prestigious than most of the jobs I went for and was a consultant in congenital heart disease, mm. which meant I could see them from naught to adult because I had adult beds as well as four children's beds, mm. which I got the money to build in the heart hospital, mm. literally. I I raised the money mm-hmm. from a very generous donor, and he said, what do you want, my dear? Well, that's a bad thing to say to a naughty girl. And <laughs> so he said, well... I will send my people and we will see if we can give it to you if you're good enough. Oh. So I said, I am good enough. This was a patient of my husband's, mm. very wealthy, who'd had a child, I think number six, with congenital heart disease. So mm. he knew. Mm. And I think he probably wanted to reward my husband. So he that's why he yeah. we were having we were having a glass of champagne one day with him yeah. and he said what do you want my dear and i think walter was about to say you're in dangerous territory <laughs> um anyhow he gave it to me yeah he gave me sixty thousand pounds mm. to build an extension to the ward provided that the hospital agreed and uh, got the plans. Yeah. So that was all done in about a week. He said, oh, my goodness, me. Yeah. I think the hospital by then was rather fed up with my attempts at importing children into the adult wards. Mm. <laughs> I was appointed as a cardiologist in 1972 on the staff of the heart hospital. Yeah. Which, because of my work with the surgeons, because I'd written a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. and because they thought they wanted... Uh, to have um, children, a few. Mm. So that's how it all emerged. And I built the first adolescent unit, cardiac unit in the world. Amazing. From there, Jane, let's travel through the next 20 years or so. 20 years, we're running around the world, Mm. establishing oneself, establishing the specialty Mm -hmm. of grown-up congenital hearts, Mm -hmm. lecturing, training chaps to do paediatric cardiology Mm -hmm. from all places, but particularly I was very Spanophilic and Latin Americanophilic, trained a lot of the people there in Brazil, Mm -hmm. in Argentina, 
those are my trainees. Yeah. One or two in Venezuela, Mexico, oh, all sorts. And this enabled then me to travel because when they went back to be consultants, also a bit from the Far East, mm-hmm. from Europe. I trained many of those. So, you know, I had a good introduction around to the world, saw it in between having children, dealing with nannies, running around the world and the home like a quad bike, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah. Rush, rush, rush. Yeah. Writing papers. Yeah. Sitting on laundry baskets, having a patient husband, yeah. having rather impatient children. Mm. who's still going on about being sent away to school or whatever would you do with them? Off to boarding school, yes. basically. Off to boarding school, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I think we've been through that ourselves. What we'll talk now is where you begin, when you started coming to Malta. Would that be okay? Have we reached that uh, part? Yes, that's yep. perfectly all right. Yeah. And the reason is I am a sun lover amongst everything else, so I'll take every minute to stick myself in the sun. Mm. I somehow like it. I like the feeling of the warmth of the sun rays on my skin Mm -hmm. okay it's not good and anyhow this resulted always accepting the sunny invitations and a very nice Maltese man called Joe Muscat Barron who was the professor of medicine in Dubai Mm -hmm. invited me to be an examiner Mm -hmm. at his um, medical school for girls. Mm -hmm. So I thought this would be very fun. He invited me several times to Dubai, and one of the times was to be an examiner. Mm -hmm. Well, I was a hopeless examiner in medicine, but there was a lovely man there called Freddie Fennick, who taught me a lot of medicine, who was Mm. the senior examiner, being Maltese, Mm -hmm. and excellent physician. So I used to trail about being rather hopeless. And I remember Freddie had to re-examine one of Dr. Muscat Barron's pets that I had failed (laughs) rather foolishly. Right. Uh, Foolishly, but rightly. Anyway, then came by, because I wanted a pad in the sun, I landed up at Malta and fell in love with Malta mm. about 2004. I literally started a love affair with this country. Yeah. It spoke English. Yep. It had sunshine. Mm-hmm. It was Mediterranean, mm-hmm. a little bit mad, but mm-hmm. an English person could get who could manage and speak to the plumber. So I bought a, I found a flat there. Mm-hmm. And that was it was a love affair. Yeah. Uh, one of my friends who's a journalist and had already got a flat there, said, why don't you come and look at Malta? Mm. And like the Americans, Malta, where's that? But I did know where it was because I collected stamps, <laughs> understood about the British Empire, so I knew about that. Yeah. I said, okay, I'm off, I'm coming, and <laughs> had a love affair immediately. Yeah. 2005, and I've been coming ever since, and then yeah. I offered Freddie Fennick. I said, do you think Malta would like what little skill I have. And he said, it sure would. I'll call Dr. Greck and see what he feels. Mm -hmm. And he said, yes, I don't want these patients who are growing up. We need her. Mm. So very kindly, Oscar Aquilina, Mm -hmm. um, Victor Greck, and I, we did an outpatients together. Mm. And then with the help of Albert Fennick, who was excellent, Mm. he said, she's got to have a staff contract. And so I joined the Department of cardiology and they've always been very generous and looked after me Mm -hmm. medically socially and every other way Mm -hmm. and I've had a lovely time Mm. for 15 years Mm. and I love it and it's part of my heart yeah 
And do you still consult at the hospital at the Mater Day? Well, not they don't need me because you've mm. got the excellent Dr. Marianne Caruana, who trained over here. We identified her. She showed interest, and she's an excellent doctor. Mm. But she lets me come, uh, encouraged by Dr. Robert Jure, very generous, says, I want you to come regularly. You come when you want. And I come about four times a year, mm-hmm. come to the cardiac society, and they still make me feel part of them. Mm. And it's an excellent cardiac society. Mm. Cardiac, you know, a very good cardiac department. Yeah. So I'm very lucky. I've kept my friends. Mm-hmm. I come if they want. If they want help with papers, I help. Sometimes uh, the head will ask me, uh, Robert will ask me about something, mm-hmm. and I will have a discreet conversation with him. Mm-hmm. And he looks after me. And if I can do anything for the department, I do. Mm. It's a good arrangement. It certainly sounds it. Um, coming away just for a moment from Malta, when did you set up the Somerville Foundation? Oh, about 20 plus years ago. I, it actually originally was the Patient Association. Right. Because they have these grown-up congenital heart patients have so many problems mm. that we take for granted like employment, insurance, as well as their own health, Mm. in different medicine they were getting 25 years ago, it's better now, Mm -hmm. that I set up the foundation, uh, the grown-up congenital heart gooch's patient Mm. association for them. Yeah. So that they could talk to each other, so that they could have a community, so they'd have someone to get for advocacy, and I and my secretaries did not have to keep dealing with their with their problems. Those problems went on. We made a list of the problems. They were, mm. Some of the problems are very serious. Yeah. Employment, they needed help and all sorts of things. Yeah. And the Patient Association enabled them to have now it's quite developed, works, badly needs money and help like all small charities. Mm. But it's the only charity that helps this group of patients, the grown-up congenital hearts. And somebody in their wisdom or lack of it, I'm not sure wish it wasn't my wish, decided to call it the Somerville Foundation because they thought it would draw more attention and money. Mm. And nobody knew what a gooch was anyway, and it's a rude word anyhow in English. So uh, they thought it'd be better to change it to the Somerville Foundation. Mm. I'm not sure, but that's how it got its name. It's a patient association working for the patients, Mm -hmm. working as a helpline, working for their advice to make sure they're getting proper medicine Mm -hmm. uh, and referred locally properly. Of course, now it's well organized in the nation, Mm. but it wasn't. Yeah. So that's what that's about. And I'm very happy. Mm. And I want, I'm hoping my son will take it over. I'm still the president. Mm. We've, we're ironing out a few problems at the moment with the trustees. Yeah. We've had a few ups and downs, rather bad downs. And, but we're, we're surviving. Mm. And uh, it's really just so the patient survive and has a near normal life as possible. Uh, what about um, CHD patients' vulnerability to COVID-19? Have you had, is there any evidence? Well, it? it's difficult... Yes, yes, we have the odd question. You know, a number of them with serious diseases are at-risk patients. Mm. They will are used to looking after themselves, which is important, 
as are their families, which are important. And this is particularly evident in Malta, how well the families come, how the mothers always come with the notes, how they're generally very sensible and they will get, they, they're used to instruction, they're used to personal care mm. and they will lock down better than anybody. Mm. They're, they know what they want and who's the first person in their lives. Yeah. So I don't, I think they're vulnerable, yes, and some of them will be attacked by this horrible disease, but I think they will look after themselves in a sensible way and listen to health advice. Mm. And you're doing well in Malta. I'm mm. astonished how few cases you've got. Yeah. And, you know, I think you've had good advice. Mm. I think your hospitals are ready. Mm. You have a very good consultant service. And I think um, the Gooches will be all right. Yeah. And just talking about Malta a little bit more, we've, we have it seemingly done pretty well according to statistics when you're looking at other countries um trajectories and all the rest of it do you think you have yes and it, it must be a reflection on on our on our health ministry perhaps i think you've got a good minister of health mm. and you take the good health advice mm-hmm. and you've got good structure i think you've done well i think you heard the news coming from italy and took notice of it because lots of you listened to the Italian news. Mm. So you were forewarned. Yes. And I think, I don't don't know why you've got so few cases because you certainly let the planes in carrying the patients Mm. with COVID, but I think you've done well. Yeah. And I think it is due to good, a good minister of health Mm. and some wisdom scattered around Mm. and i think uh, a a good health structure Mm. i mean you your your health is good Mm. i feel quite safe in malta yeah and i prefer to have my tests done there i think they're more efficient jolly sight nicer Mm. and they look after me very well you know and you, but you have a lot of gooches. Do you know why you have a lot of gooches? No. Grown up congenital hearts. You have it because Freddie Fennick early on said, do not start doing children's heart surgery here. Send it to the best unit in the UK. Right. And this they did. And if you send think, uh, surgery to the best, you'll get the most returns. And you have unusual numbers of patients i wouldn't be surprised if your return of surgery for congenital heart disease through the 70s 80s and 90s isn't better than many countries in europe okay so So you've got an unusual number all my friends think i've just got my feet up in malta i said no there are plenty of patients Mm. Mm. and that's the reason i am sure it's not due to genetic wrong genetics and too many congenital heart diseases being born. Mm-hmm. It's due to many being returned in the days when the mortality and morbidity was huge mm. in every country. You went to the best, yeah. Great Ormond Street. Mm. Well, it's been wonderful to talk to you, Jane. After all this, uh, one day when uh, the lockdowns are raised and whatever, what will be your plans Well, I hope to be alive and enjoy life to Mm. the full and return to Malta. Yes. I'm missing it. I love Malta Mm. and one or two 
Maltese who shall not be named. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's absolutely fine by us. Um, Jane, you're our London link and we love it. Thank you so much. Well, I look to forward us. to your return. Oh, Good luck. Thank you so much and um, stay well and healthy. Thank you. <laughs> that's the best, best wish. Thank yeah. you so much. To find out more, visit the sf.org.uk website. You've been listening to the Temple Magazine podcast. Find us on Facebook or visit us at templemagazines.com. And here's our disclaimer. Temple Magazine will not be held responsible for any omissions or errors in its podcasts. Temple's podcasts are produced purely for entertainment purposes. Views and opinions are that of our own or that of our guests. Thank you to Airport Impressions for the use of their song Berlin as used at the beginning of this podcast.